Good morning and welcome to Heritage Online. Uh, it's so good to have you join with us today. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this is unusual, obviously. Uh, so many other churches are gathering together online rather than being physically together. But I'd like to thank you, those of you who so faithfully give financially to support uh, all that we're doing as a church here at Heritage. Your gifts allow us to meet together and to uh, uh, support the, the ministry of all that we're doing. It allows us to do what we're doing online. It also allows us to support the missionaries that you just heard Michelle talk about and that Skip talked about last Sunday. And uh, we appreciate your sacrificial, faithful giving to God and to heritage. Um, we couldn't do it without you. Um, we're going to continue this morning um, our Who's Your One series. And we've been talking about that for the last few weeks, and we're going to jump right into our text today. But back in 1978, Jane and I uh, moved to Romeoville, Illinois. And uh, we began our ministry there as youth pastor and wife to the church in the town. And uh, that summer, we met a couple by the name of Jim and Barb Hunter. And uh, they had grown up in South Jersey, just like I did. Uh, they, they lived right across the street from our pastor. And uh, that summer, just before we arrived, Jim and Barb came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. What an amazing story that is. I'm not going to get into that now, but we became very close friends. In fact, still are to this day. I called Barb yesterday afternoon just to confirm my memory of what I want to share with you here as we start. Uh, as we began to talk one day about a church in our area in South Jersey, a church that had a neon sign on the front of their building that said, Jesus saves. Uh, just like this one, I don't think that is the church, but just like that, the sign was there and, and you would go by it every day and there it was, Jesus saves. Now, I, I remember Barb telling us that whenever she saw that sign, she really wasn't sure what it meant. Uh, Jesus saves from what? And uh, I'm guessing that most people in our country have heard the phrase, Jesus saves. And maybe even seen it on signs, just like these. I'm also thinking that many people who see and hear that phrase, just like Barb, wonder what it really means. Who is Jesus? Why do we need to be saved? How does Jesus save? From what? Is this just some kind of church marketing scheme to get us to give our money? Or is it some kind of political statement? Jesus saves. A lot of people probably wonder what that really means. Truth of the matter is, the words Jesus saves might be the most important words you will ever hear or that anyone will ever hear. Please open your Bibles with me to Luke 
chapter 5 and verses 17 to 26. And wherever it is you're gathered, if you're with family or friends, and maybe you can just gather together and, and listen as I read these verses from Luke chapter 5. As we continue our study this morning, asking the question, who's your one? And, and would you keep that as a priority? Would you remember back on March 8th, Sunday, March 8th, we put names on the cross here. 73 names are up on that cross. And uh, we were going to continue doing that every Sunday through the month of March. And so you may have missed that first opportunity. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that online, virtually, if you will. So if you go to our website, you can find uh, there at www.wearehbc.com slash one. Lower letters, lowercase letters, will we'll get you there. And you can put in, click on the box, who's your one, and uh, you can submit the name. And we will write that name on a card and we'll put it up here on the cross for you so that we can continue to pray for people who do not know Jesus. So continue on with that. Okay, let's look at our text this morning. Luke chapter 5. Verses 17 to 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Man, that must have been something for all of the people to see this guy coming down through the roof, right in front of Jesus. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, now there, that's the four guys, the four friends, but it also would include the man who was paralyzed laying on the mat. Their faith, all five of them. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. 
Wow, what a story. A story that probably many of you are familiar with. And, and as we take a look this morning at this text, we could make these verses about the four men who brought their friend to Jesus, about their love and concern for their friend, about their faith and trust in Jesus, about their perseverance and persistence in, in finding the crowds covering the door and, and yet moving up to the roof so that they could uh, lower him down in front of them. Now, as we've read the text this morning, there are three verses that I need to highlight for you. Verse 20, first of all, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, why would Jesus do this first? I don't think that's why these men came to Jesus. They expected healing. But Jesus said to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgave his sins because man's greatest need. All men have the greatest need of having our sins forgiven by God. That is why Jesus forgave sins. A text that we alluded to last Sunday when we were talking about reaching the lost was found in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and the first five verses of Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read that for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and, the, and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's the wrath of God on sin. And before we knew Jesus, before we were found, before we were saved, we were deserving of wrath. But here's what Jesus says when he continues. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Remember, Jesus saves. And these verses are the picture of forgiveness. That's the first verse you need to remember. Secondly, verse 21. The Pharisees said, Who can forgive sins but God alone? They strongly objected to what Jesus did and said. Now, why were they so upset with Jesus? Well, they stated there, Who can forgive sins but God alone? They had the correct theology. They, they, they knew it. They knew what Scripture had said, and, and, and they came to the right conclusion there as it relates to Jesus, about God being the only one to forgive sin. But they missed when they made the conclusion that Jesus wasn't God. That's what upset them. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They concluded that Jesus wasn't God. So they said this was blasphemy. 
My question to you this morning would be, why didn't they conclude when Jesus said to this man, your sins are forgiven? Why didn't they think, wow, he really is the Messiah. He must be God. But you see, Jesus had already identified himself as the Messiah. Back in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, and you can check that out later on, he claimed that he was the Messiah, that he had fulfilled Old Testament scripture that talk just about that thing. But you see, the Pharisees already had their mind made up. Their hearts were hardened and that's why they didn't respond to Jesus in believing that he was the Messiah, that he was God. The third verse, verse 24, Jesus said, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You see, as, as these verses lead us to this conclusion, Jesus says, here's what I need you to know. Yes, I forgave that man's sins. And yes, only God can forgive sin. So understand me. This is the deal. I want you to know that the Son of Man, that was Jesus, he was talking about himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's the point. The Son of Man, Jesus, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So this is what he's really saying. This is what Luke wants us to know from this text. Jesus is God, and that's why he can forgive sin. That's what these verses are telling us. Jesus is God, and that is why he alone can forgive sins. In other words, Jesus saves. That's the message that we're learning from this text. Jesus saves. So as we wrap this all up, what does this mean for you and I today living in 2020 in northeastern Pennsylvania or wherever you are watching from this morning? Well, let me go back to our four friends and the man that was lowered down through the ceiling and, and make three applications for you. Number one, these men had a mission. These men had a mission. The four men who brought their friend who was paralyzed, who couldn't move, who couldn't get up and walk, they had to get their friend to Jesus. They were on a mission. They had a mission. Well, listen, Jesus also had a mission. That's why he came. In fact, Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus saves there it is. Jesus came to look for, to pursue, to seek lost people. As we saw last week, that means people who are separated from God. People who are without a knowledge of God. People who, who have no idea 
that they're dead in their sin and under the wrath of God. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So let me ask you, are you on mission? Are you about telling those who don't know Jesus Christ that Jesus came to save them, that God loves them and sent Jesus to this earth to die on the cross so that their sins could be forgiven? Are you on mission? You say, well, I I think so. Well, let me ask you this question. Who are you? taking to Jesus or in keeping with our series and our and our names of people who don't know Jesus on the cross who's your one secondly these men demonstrated their faith these men had a mission number two these men demonstrated their faith they were committed to getting their friend to Jesus no matter what The crowds were not going to keep them from getting to Jesus. They were committed to getting their friend to Jesus because they believed he could heal them. He could, Jesus could heal their friend. They believed that. There was an urgency about their being there. When they saw the crowds, they didn't give up. They didn't just say, oh, well, I guess we'll have to try another day. No, they, they looked, they worked through the crowd, and they found the stairway typically in a home back in those, the Bible days, and up to the roof where they, where they made a hole and let their friend down through. They were convinced that Jesus could heal their friend. They believed that Jesus would make the difference in the life of their friend. There was a confident expectation. There was hope and trust that drove them to Jesus. It was their trust in Jesus, faith in action, that caused them to climb those stairs and dig through the roof. That was a demonstration of the faith that was in their hearts, of their trust in Jesus to heal their friend. So how are you demonstrating your faith today? How is it that you're showing your faith? How are you putting your faith in action. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I have faith. I believe. But it's when we take action. It's when we show by doing something like these men did, bringing their friend, that our faith is shown to be real. How about your family who need to come to Jesus? How about friends of yours that you've known for years that need to come to Jesus? How about lost people right next door to you or in the workplace or in school that need to come to Jesus? How are you showing your faith and trust in Jesus by taking them to Jesus? And then the third application, these men got more than they bargained for. These men got more than they bargained for because they were on mission. 
Because they were demonstrating their faith. Their faith was real. And because of that, they got to see God do the miraculous. Had they not pursued, had they given up because of the crowd, they wouldn't have seen God forgive the sins of their friend and heal him. But they got to see God do the miraculous. And the miraculous in Scripture is always about making God known. It is not just for the sake of the individual that's involved. The miraculous is to show that God is God. To make him known. To cause people to give him glory for all that he's done and for who he is. And these men, because they stuck with it and got their friend that Jesus learned that the internal realities are far more important than the external circumstances. You see, the external need was their friend needed to be healed. He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. That was the external need. That's what people could see. But Jesus saw the reality of the heart. Jesus knew his sins need to be forgiven. And these friends got to see the internal reality and understood that it's what's inside that matters. And Jesus did the miraculous by forgiving their friends' sin as well as healing them. So are you looking for the miraculous today? Do you know lost people who need Christ? Have you ever thought about some of those people who don't know Jesus and said, oh, <laughs> they'd never get saved. They, they'd never listen to what I had to say. They're not interested in the gospel. They're, they don't really care about church. I, I just don't know. Jesus saves. And people who don't need or who do need Jesus because they're lost. Lost. So, as we wrap this all up, let me ask you, if Jesus is God, and we just saw from our text that he is, and he is the only one who forgives sins. And we just saw even the Pharisees acknowledge that. Which means that we all have a sin problem. If Jesus is there to forgive sin, we must have a problem that needs to be taken care of. Our sin needs to be forgiven. Which means then that people are lost. Then we must be telling the lost that Jesus saves. That's our mission. And we do that by faith, expecting God to do the miraculous. So how is this truth impacting you today? Are you asking God for open doors, for opportunity? Are you praying for your one, the name of that individual who you're committing to God that you'll pray for and that you'll look for opportunities to invest in. And we got to pray harder because when we don't have the opportunity for personal interaction, how do we do that? I don't know, but I know God. 
And God can do the miraculous. Is this truth impacting you as it relates? Are you on mission? Are you demonstrating your faith by believing God can do the miraculous? Who's your one? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to this earth to seek and to save the lost. That was me one day years ago. That's many people who know you who were once lost but have had their sins forgiven and have been found, miraculously changed and transformed. Oh, God, I pray that you'd use us, your church, to reach those all around us, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, friends on the team, in our neighborhood, wherever, who need to know Jesus. Oh, God, help us to tell the truth. Help us to let people know that God alone can forgive sins, that Jesus saves. God, that's our message. That's our mission. Help us, Father, to proclaim the name of Jesus, that Jesus saves. Father, if there is anyone this morning who may be listening who does not know Jesus, oh God, use your word. Help them to understand they're lost under the wrath of God on the way to hell. But Jesus saves. Bring them to yourself today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can gather together. Encourage our hearts this morning that you alone forgive sin and Jesus saves. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Trust that... Uh, you will take some time, even as a family or group of friends who may be watching, and, and think through some of what we're doing. You know, we have been gathering some of our community groups uh, online this past week. In fact, our community group, the one that I'm part of, is, is going to be online tonight at 6 o'clock. We're excited about that. These are different days. We're going through things that we've never experienced before, but looking for the opportunities, looking for ways in which we can continue to be the church gathered together just online. Hey, thanks for joining us, and let us know how we can serve you. Have a great day.